0: Lord yes it's your faithfulness God it never changes thank you through season after season Lord you have been faithful thank you Lord hallelujah
1: Amen. Let's do that. Let's thank him. Even now, just thank him. Lord, we give you thanks today. We thank you for the ability to remember God. Lord, remembering helps us uh, be able to uh, have a thankful heart. Remember, Remembering helps us in our faith. Thank you for that. And thank you that for 37 years, when we remember back, God, there are so many incredible things that you've done, and we are a grateful people today. Lord, we thank you for these moments together right now. I pray that faith and power would just be made known in this place. For those that know you, and for those that may have walked in here and don't, bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 It's so great to see each one of you. I thought I was coming up to grab the mic and we were singing it again, but you know, that's okay. We we were were into that. But uh, hey, we're going to take a few minutes and just greet each other today. So God bless you. If you're a first-time guest, if you've been here for 37 years, let's just take some time this morning and greet each other. God bless you. Amen. Praise God for that. The hope of the world. Hey, as we prepare to give this morning in our tithe and offering, I want to tell you a quick story about a woman named Osceola McCarty. She was born in 1908 in Mississippi, and uh, she spent uh, she actually quit school in sixth grade to help her aunt, who she was living with. And uh, for her whole working career, which she loved to work, was spent doing laundry and ironing for people uh, down in Mississippi. And uh, she loved the Lord. Every day she would spend on her knees with her Bible. Her Bible was scotch-taped together. How many have a Bible like that? Uh, You know, just got tape on it and different things. And uh, when she was 86 years old in 1995, she decided that she wanted to leave a legacy. And so she went to the University of Southern Mississippi and she gave them $150,000. Here's a woman who in her earlier working career made coins and dollar bills for her work. And she was able to leave them $150,000 for a scholarship saying that this is gonna do more good for someone else than me. And you know, it's a testament, it's a testimony of the fact that we might come in here today or be in a situation where you feel like, I don't have a lot, how can I make a difference? And the reality is that Osceola, who ended up dying at 90 years old in 1999, um, made an enormous difference in some students' lives at the University of Southern Mississippi. And so in your life, as you and I give, just know that giving makes a difference. Amen? Amen? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that we have the opportunity to be able to give, to worship you in that way. You love us so much that you want to give us all kinds of opportunities and ways to worship your great name. And I pray that as we give today, that it would be sweet to you in every way. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. he does. Yes, he does. Hey, a few announcements really quick. Hey, by the way, uh, we have a, a rack on the wall out there in the lobby, and there's a Worldview magazine. Check that out. We've got some things up there that are super encouraging to your faith. Make sure you check those out. And then a few announcements from your bulletin, which I'm sure you grabbed when you came in this morning. Uh, Of course, uh, we have our uh, general superintendent, uh, Reverend Doug Clay, here today. We're glad to have him, and uh, we're celebrating our 37th anniversary, which is 1985. Now, I know some of you were not here, alive, on this earth in 1985, but for some of you that were, think about what you were doing. You know, some of you were in elementary school, some of you were in college or high school, some of you were starting your family, maybe bought your first house, I don't know, but 85, 37 years ago, praise God. Praise God for that. And then uh, just to clarify, um, the announcement says how not to read the Bible. It's not saying don't read your Bible, okay? Uh, it is how not to, okay? There's a way to you read your Bible and a way not to. And on Wednesday night, we're going to be talking about that beginning the 21st this week. So make sure if you haven't put that in your calendar, please be there Wednesday night. Also, we have uh, a new, an, an old ministry that's new again, starting up Divorce Care. is meeting in room 107 on Wednesdays. Maybe have someone in your life, they've recently gone through a divorce or they're going through one now. This is a great opportunity for them to receive some biblical counsel and instruction and some encouragement. And so that's an opportunity we have coming up. Uh, If you look, we have things for our youth ministry, our young adults ministry, activities going on from UD football games to youth convention, all kinds of great things. And then I hear that the ladies are going out, the ladies night out, Bertucci, September 22nd at 530. Make sure, ladies, you're there. It's the, uh, it's the Bertucci's. Uh, well, you'll see it there. It's, it's Bertucci's. It's going to be a good time. So, hey, God bless you. And again, enjoy the day. Yeah,
2: you know, they usually schedule it at the third Thursday of the month, which is our board meeting. And I can't crash it, but maybe I can crash that one. So get a free dinner. Just show up and, I mean, hey, take care of your pastor. Anyways, hey, we are blessed. We are blessed. As you see, the weather is very nice again this year. Um, you know, 37 years of meeting together like this, and God has provided each time. I mean, we never had to worry about a rain. Well, we wouldn't do a rain date. We'd wind up, I guess, everybody cooked out there under the shelter, and then we'd eat in here, and that would be a drag. Because as you know, I want to remind you of the events we have today, inflatables. We've got games, a ton of games, uh, face painting for the kids. We've got Mr. Softy Truck. I don't have to say anything more. I've been announcing this for two weeks. Uh, I'm going to do one hamburger and then probably four or five soft serves. That'll be it. Uh, pony rides are also or hay rides. I believe I saw the wagon come in today. So I know that is that is always a hit. It's just such a simple thing, but to drive around the grounds really excites people. But we are blessed. Another reason we're blessed, obviously, is because we do have I, I just just a wonderful guest speaker this morning. You know what he's done, you know what he's doing. You, I, I put that before you the last few weeks. You've seen it in print. It's one thing to know what someone does; it's another thing to know who someone is. And I'm going to keep this introduction very simple because you're going to what I'm going to what I'm going to say about him. You will learn very quickly. Um, you know, I know him as Doug Clay. I remember hearing you the first time at I think Celebration 2000, Indianapolis. You were. I don't know if you're a DYD for Ohio, or, but you were speaking anyways. One of the, and it was unbelievable. My kids were in there. It was, I said, boy, I've got to have this guy at my church. You haven't ever been to any of my churches. I've never invited you. But finally, we have our general superintendent. He is our national pastor. We refer to him as Pastor Doug. And, you know, normally, you know, someone who's involved with all the kinds of things he has administratively, you know, how can you really be a pastor to people? But it's in his heart. He is our national pastor. And I say that because I know that he loves our people. He loves people in general, but he loves our people, and he loves our churches. And I'll tell you what, I, 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 he's, you're going to see he's a pastor. He is a pastor. He has a pastor's heart, not just a minister, not just someone who will come in and preach and have no relationship with people. Uh, and afterwards, by the way, he'll be at our picnic for a while, and you can talk to him there too. But you're going to see his love for God and his love for people. And that's impressive. That's really impressive, and it means a lot to this pastor. So, Pastor Doug, would you come and share with us this morning?
3: Absolutely. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thanks. Bless you, Pastor Mike. Hey, good morning, everyone. Can we do something? Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise this morning? Come on, everybody give the Lord Jesus a hand clap of praise. Absolutely. Wow. I feel like the psalmist who said... I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Let me ask you, are you glad you're in the house of the Lord today? Boy, I am. I am just excited to be in the house of the Lord, excited to be with you on this special day. And you look great for being 37 years old. You really do. Um, I love this. You know, I'm in a different church every week. In fact, This week this is my fourth. I've been in a church in Florida. I've been in a church in Mexico. I've been in a church in Florida and now today and here's what I can tell you. Great churches are not built accidentally. Uh, It takes several things to make a great church. First of all it takes the blessing of the Lord. How many of you know that Praise has experienced the blessing of the Lord for 37 years? There's been a canopy of God's blessing over this church. Secondly, it takes a group of people like you that understands what a church is and what understands what a church is supposed to be. We're not just some religious club that meets weekly, but we are the body of Christ seeking to expand the kingdom of God here on earth. But it also takes called and capable leadership. And can I tell you, when it comes to called and capable leadership, you have the absolute best sitting right down there in the front row in Pastor Mike. And I just want to salute him today. I want to say thank you. Wow, uh, a high priority on the anointing, high priority on integrity, and a high priority when he needs to to let his wife lead. (laughs) <laughs> Miss Kathy is awesome. I'm just telling you. So we got here last night and and and, and I'm a little bit of a, a football fan, and she was kind of giving me options on where we wanted to go break bread and have a little fellowship. And she described this one place and uh They had TV screens with football. They had hamburgers. And I said, that's my spot right there. And so she made it happen. And so to Miss Kathy, which I think is sitting right back there, thank you for being an awesome pastor's wife. Thank you for what you do. And we honor and salute you just in the name of the Lord. Wow, 37 years. 37 years of outstanding ministry effectiveness. Um, And you know what's really cool to know that... uh, your church is in its strongest position in history to move forward. I really believe that. They're huge testimony. It's a testimony to the faithfulness of God, to the commitment of God's people, to the integrity of the spiritual leadership you've had. But here's what I know. It's possible to be committed to the church and not to Christ. But you cannot be committed to Christ and not the church. I Love the church. I'm a third generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. I was born and raised in this thing. Every major, eternal, significant event in my life happened in the church. I was dedicated as a baby in the church. I was saved in the church. I was water baptized in the church, spirit baptized in the church, received my call to, to ministry in the church. I'm telling you, when the church is functioning biblically, it's one of the greatest influences for change in people's lives and in a community. And so I want to talk about the church. I want to talk about what was it that has given this church such effectiveness for 37 years and what will it take to have continued effectiveness till the Lord comes. You know, let me just say up front, I love the church, but while during pandemic and even coming out of pandemic, I suspect you'd agree with me that the church has gone through a little bit of an identity crisis. I mean, you have people that are trying to throw corporate labels on the church. Are you a mega church? Are you a seeker-sensitive church? Are you a classical Pentecostal church? Are you an emerging church? Are you a compassion-oriented church? You know, the church was never intended to be a business with a cross on its roof tweaked by a bunch of engineers. (laughs) Church is the body of Christ. When you think about it, I think history will write... That the church was not only the institution that survived during covid the church was the institution that thrived during covid church corporate labels there's been a lot of critical comments thrown against the church on how we should respond to certain issues you know uh, mask up don't mask up speak to political issues don't speak to political issues the church is too shallow the church needs more doctrine it's crazy People's various expectations. But here's what Jesus said about the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Aren't you thankful today that the church belongs to the Lord? In fact, would you say those five words with me? I will build my church. Come on, say it with me together. I will build my, say it again. I will build my church. The church is Christ's idea. He's the owner and he has sole authority in this church. And and I'm telling you, the church will survive. And here's what I know. I haven't heard a trumpet blast yet. So that means the church is still in business. The church is the instrument that God is using to expand his kingdom, to see lives changed, and you and I get the privileged opportunity to be a part of that. So what's the key to the effectiveness of the church? 37 years and going and growing and thriving and young people running around, got a little tour before service, went to the kids there. There were kids in there just having fun. And what is it? I think it's pretty simple, this church has placed a high priority on the Bible, this church has placed a high priority on the Holy Spirit, this church has placed a high priority on reaching people, and it's very obvious this church places a high priority on the next generation. And if you'll permit me today, I kind of want to unpack those four things as we look to the future, celebrating the past, but look to the future that God has for Praise Assembly. First of all, my prayer for this church will be this, that it'll always be a church that places a higher priority on Bible teaching over political rhetoric. That this church places a priority on biblical teaching and it'll always trump political rhetoric. You say, Superintendent Clay, do you believe that strong? Yes, I do, because I've discovered that God's word is not only his perfect revelation to us, the Bible says that all scripture is God-breathed and inspired, we also know that God's word is his complete or sufficient revelation to us, there's no new canical information being delivered, there's no new divine inspiration despite what uh, uh, the Book of Mormon says or despite what the Quran says, can I just tell you everything you need to know about life, everything you need Need to know about heaven. Everything you need to know about hell. Everything you need to know about purpose can be found in the Word of God. It's His complete. It's His sufficient revelation. It's not only His perfect and complete revelation to us, but. Probably one of the most uh, exciting things about God's Word is it's His living revelation to us, right? The Bible, the writer of Hebrews says God's Word is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the Word of God that changes people's lives. And for over 2,000 years in houses of worship, as the Word of God has been taught, it has produced change in people's life. What I've discovered is the Bible that when it's used correctly, can be incredibly transformational. But when it's used incorrectly, it can be incredibly devastating. So thank you, Praise Assembly, for being a church that places such a high priority on Scripture. You say, Doug, do you believe that strongly in, in, in the Word of God? Yes, I do, because here is what I have learned. God has both the integrity and the ability to back up every single promise he made in his word. Have you ever been the victim of a broken promise? (laughs) You know, when someone breaks their word to you, uh, what happens is they either don't follow through with what they said, that's integrity, or they don't have the resources to back up what they promised, that's ability. But we serve a God that's got both the integrity and the ability to back up every single promise he made in his word. I suspect I discovered the power of God's word and his ability to keep his word uh, my freshman year in college. Now, I'm a, I'm a third-generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. That means I was born and raised in the church. My mom was the minister of music. My dad was the pastor. And can I tell you, um, uh, growing up in the church, I saw a lot of things, experienced a lot of things. And one of the things that I experienced a few times was being left sleeping in the pew on a Sunday night. Dad thought mom was going to take me home. Mom thought dad was going to take me home. Listen, you can sing all you want. We will remember. We will remember. But when the lights are out and you wake up as a little boy in the church, that's a spooky place to wake up, I'm just telling you. You hear things you shouldn't hear. I love the church. I I knew which Sunday school teacher served the best snacks. So if the altar service got going a little too long, I would find that supply closet and I would chow down on those animal crackers and Chips Ahoy cookies. love the church. (laughs) When I was um, nine years old, my dad died suddenly of a massive heart attack. I was nine, my brother was 15, my sister was 18. My dad was only 40 when he passed away. and, And you know, I never felt The negative impact of being raised by a single mom because I was a part of a great church, much like praise, Bethany Assembly of God, Adrian, Michigan, where I had a lot of spiritual dads. I had Royal Ranger commanders who helped me build my Pinewood Derby car. I had youth sponsors that would take me to Detroit Tiger baseball games. I had uh, Sunday school teachers that would take me on father-son canoe trips. This will sound crazy. I grew up feeling sorry for kids who only had one dad. Because I had all the spiritual fathers in the church. It was in the context of the church that I felt God's call on my life to go to Bible college. And I took off and I went to Bible school and whoa, that's when it happened. I started meeting other preacher's kids. My roommate was a preacher's kid from Carlinville, Illinois. And so on the weekend, he would go home and his dad would give him an opportunity to take part in the service and maybe be a part of a, a board meeting. And, and Jeff would come back and we'd stay up late Sunday night, early hours Sunday morning, just talking church stuff. He would say things like, my dad said this is how we ought to do assimilation. My dad said this is how we ought to do leadership development. My dad said this is how we ought to do equipping for ministry. My dad said, my dad said, my dad. And for one of the first times in my life, it felt like I had been cheated by God. I thought, Lord, I would like a dad that would walk out these ministry principles with me. I'd like a dad that would mentor me. And I tell you, church, one of the reasons why your pastors place such a high priority on Scripture is because when you go through one of those why is this happening to me type times, if you're not careful, you'll have a tendency to want to listen to yourself rather than the truth of God's Word. That's why you've got to learn how to read the Bible right and not wrong. And I don't know about you, but myself lies to me at times. Myself doesn't always tell me the truth. So I started processing. God, this isn't fair. Why would you do something unjust to our family? And I had talked myself into quitting school, walking away from the call of God that was on my life and quitting school. I'll never forget, I called home one Sunday night, late night, and I was talking to my mom. I said, Mom, this doesn't make sense. Why would God do something so unjust to our family? Why would God take dad from us at an early age? And like only a pastor's wife mom could do, She said, Honey, I can't answer your why questions, but I can promise you this. And my mom broke into this really cool prayer. Her prayer went something like this, (laughs) Lord, you said in your word. (laughs) i got to tell you, I grew up with my mom using that phrase an awful lot. But can I tell you something? I'm 59 years old. I'm the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, but I don't think everything my mom said was in the book was really in the book. (laughs) but this time, this time, she was spot on. She said, Lord, you said in your word, you'd be a father to the fatherless. And I claimed that promise for my son, Doug. Well, we hung up, and I didn't feel any better. A couple days later, there was a chapel service. There was a missionary talking about what God's doing in their part of the world. And I just know this, when all the students were walking forward singing, I'll go where you want me to go, dear Lord, I didn't. I just turned around and I knelt in my chapel seat. And I wasn't even praying. I was just venting frustration to God. God, this stinks. I was in that knelt position having a nice little pity party for myself when all of a sudden I felt the strength and the warmth of a large hand placed on my back. I turned around and I looked, and there was Coach Arnold. Coach was six foot six, 250 pounds, athletic director, basketball coach, one hulk of a man, and he had his paw, I mean his hand, on my back. When I turned and looked, he had a crocodile tear coming down his cheek. He said, Duggar, I knew your dad, I know your mom, both of them would be really proud of you. And then it happened. <laughs> He took his hand and he put it over to my shoulder and he pulled me really tight into himself and he said these words. He said, as long as you are at Central Bible College, I consider you like my own son. And when he said son, I jumped up and I tried to hug him and he hugged me and I snotted and cried all down the front of his shirt. But in the moment of that embrace, it was like instant replay going off in my mind. 48 hours earlier, there was a godly mom who said, Lord, you said in your word. Listen, I can't promise you that life is going to be hassle-free. I can't promise you that there's not going to be some new CDC guidelines that creates restriction. I can't promise you that there's not going to be certain laws that sort of infringe on religious liberties. I can't promise you that good people won't disappoint you, but here's what I can promise you. The Bible says, though mountains may crumble and seas run dry, it's the word of our God that stands forever. We serve a God that's got both the integrity and the ability to back up Every single promise in His Word. So what gives this church effectiveness is placing a high priority on biblical teaching. Because it's the Word of God that transforms lives. It's the Word of God that changes lives. I'm afraid over the last couple years we've lost our prophetic relevance because we've opted for political speech. And my prayer, Pastor, in the 38th year of ministry here, praise will be known for being a Word-centered church, a Bible-centered, Bible-teaching, Bible-believing church. The Word. Second thing that's given this church 37 years of ministry effectiveness, and I believe will carry it into the future, is your commitment to this, that you believe the Holy Spirit is a person to be experienced, not an it to be debated. That the Holy Spirit is a person to be experienced, not just an it to be debated. Now, growing up in a Pentecostal church, I saw a lot of things done in the name of the Holy Spirit that were quite interesting, in fact, Sister Kathy was asking last night, you probably see a lot of interesting things in this job. Yeah, I I do. There's a lot of things that happen in in Pentecostal churches, charismatic circles, that that I'm not sure are really spirit-inspired. Like a couple years ago, there there was a pastor in Houston. It was during the holiday season, Christmas season. And this pastor was preaching on the ills of Santa Claus and how Santa Claus was destroying society. And the title of his message was, Scrooge, Santa Claus, or Savior? Who are you going to worship this Christmas? And when he was on the point of Santa Claus, he was railing on him. He was laying him out. He was talking how Santa is secularizing society. Santa is removing Christ from the fabric of our culture. Just just laying him out. And when he got to the end of this message, he said, now bow your head and close your eyes. As people bowed their head and closed their eyes, there was a little old lady in the back that stood up. She said, Thus saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. Lay off Santa Claus. He's a good man doing a good work in our community. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't know if that was spirit-inspired or not. uh, But can I just tell you, the Holy Spirit... The Holy Spirit is not a ghost to be feared. He's not an it to be debated. He is the third member of the Godhead that when we say yes to Jesus, he takes residency in our lives. And he empowers us to live out the Christian life. He empowers us to witness. In fact, part of the work of the Holy Spirit in our life is to make known the presence of Jesus to us on a daily basis. Just Bringing the awareness of the presence of Jesus. Can I tell you, in Christian living, having an awareness of the presence of Jesus is so important. You know, it's mind-boggling to me to know that Jesus never has to go anywhere to be there because he's already there. It's called omnipresence. That's sort of a theological word that describes an attribute of God. But I would remind you that Jesus is more than just Lord over Africa and Lord over Australia. The presence of the Lord is a right here, right now, right next to you, present type God. He's as close as the mention of his name. And an active relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit brings the awareness of Christ's presence. Presence in your life. <laughs> Thinking about presence, uh, I was reminded of the power of presence through my oldest grandson, Jackson. So let me ask, are there any grandparents in the house? If you're a grandparent, just wave your hand and let me see. Isn't grandparenting a blast? <laughs> I'm loving it. We have seven grandchildren ages 10 down to three. Here's what I've discovered. The reason why grandparents and grandchildren get along so well. We have the same common enemy, their parents. (laughs) It's true. Jackson's my oldest grandson, and about three years ago, he and I decided it would be okay for him to have his first overnighter at Papa's house without his parents. Now, it took a lot of convincing of his mom, my firstborn, that we could do this, but we tag-teamed together and we talked her into it, and I'll never forget. I went over to pick him up, and when I pulled into the driveway, he was standing there in the doorway. He had his Spider-Man backpack just filled with toys and pajamas and Paw Patrol DVDs. And I pulled into the driveway, and he spotted me. He said, Papa, Papa. I walked up. I said, Jackson, are you ready to come to Papa's house? He said, yeah, I yeah. am. I grabbed his hand, and we started walking back to the truck. And all of a sudden... His mom, my firstborn, cleared her throat. I said, Yeah. She said, Dad, Dad. I said, Yeah. She handed me a three by five card with a set of six very specific instructions. Oh my God, I raised her better than this. I started reading those instructions. I got down to instruction number three. It said, Dad, comma, after 6 p.m., please make sure you put two parts water, one part apple juice in his sippy cup. I thought, first of all, we don't do mixed drinks at Papa's house. We're 100% Dr. Pepper at Papa's house. Two parts water, one part, yeah, okay, I got it. We got in the truck. I tore that sucker up. I said, come on, Jackson, we're going to have fun at Papa's house, and we did, We played wiffle ball, we played hide and go seek, we we, we watched Paw Patrol, everything was going great. He got his bath, he got his jammies on, just about the time that he was to retire. A southwest Missouri storm whipped up, I mean a loud thunder, flashing lightning, and I could tell my little buddy was anxious. I said, Jackson, you want to sleep in Papa's room? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. So I made him a little sleeping area on my side of the bed, some blankets, a pillow. I said, now now lay down, little buddy. He'd lay down. Boom! A crack of thunder would hit. He'd jump up. I'd say, you're okay, little buddy. Lay back down. Flash of lightning. He'd pop up. This happened about four times. Finally, I said something. Now, I don't know where it came from. What I told him uh, makes no meteorological sense and certainly makes no theological sense, but it just kind of came out, he popped up and I was wanting him to rest. I said, little buddy, listen, you don't have to be afraid of thunder. After all, thunder is nothing more than just God moving his furniture up in heaven. <laughs> don't judge me, Grandma. Don't judge me. You would have put Robitussin in that sippy cup, so don't <laughs> judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> he, he said, oh, okay. Okay. He laid back down. Next crack of thunder hit. He didn't jump up. I'm like, cool. I'll let his kid's pastor work on his theology. I just want him to go to sleep. So I roll over and I'm thinking he's out. I'm thinking he's out. And there was a loud reverberating thunder that hit. And come on, grandparents, you know this. We have an extra sense. I could feel a set of eyes just looking at me. And I'm laying and I roll over and sure enough, he's not standing all the way up. He's just looking above the mattress, just look. but his eyes are huge and and wide open and I roll over and before I could say anything to him, he said, Papa, you think that I could lay with you till God quits moving his furniture? I said, you bet, little buddy. And I picked him up and I plopped him down in bed with me and in 60 seconds he was out. I couldn't convince that little tyke that the storm on the outside wouldn't hurt him on the inside. But as long as he was in close proximity to Papa, he had a sense of security to rest comfortably to fall asleep. Can I tell you, friends, the Holy Spirit is not some idle spectator of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead that lives inside of you. And when we go through situations in our life, He is the one that brings the presence of Jesus close to you. He is the one that reminds you that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. He is the one that reminds you that God is your refuge and God is your strength and God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. He's the one that will help you let God talk be louder than your self-talk. Self-talk says, I'm afraid. <laughs> God talk says, you know what? I haven't given to you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. Self-talk says, I'm not sure what to do. God talk says, "Ah, if you lack wisdom, let him a- let- go ahead and ask it of me, and I'll give it to you liberally, and upbraideth not. It's the Holy Spirit. So he's not an it to be debated. He's not a ghost to be feared. He's the third member of the Godhead that when we said yes to Jesus lives inside of us and he brings the presence of Jesus, not the omnipresence of Jesus, the right here, right now, right next to me presence of Jesus very close to you. Thank you, Praise Assembly, for unashamedly being a church that recognizes the power, the person, and the work of the Holy Spirit. person of the Holy Spirit. You know, I have two more points, but I'm going to invite the worship team to come back. I just feel an overwhelming sense of the Lord to just stop right here and talk about presence. My two other points would be thank you for being a church that's a missions participating church, you know, that uh, A church that looks outward, a church that focuses outward, usually stays fresh and relevant. My last point was going to be, thank you for being a church where every generation matters to God. I was really feeling kind of a, a whisper of the Spirit in my heart to talk to you about presence. Unless I miss my guest, there may be some of you who are here, and um, you may be feeling some discouragement. You may be going through something in your life, and it's really consuming your thoughts. It's impacting your interpersonal relationship. You just need to be reminded that God really is as close as the mention of His name. I got to tell you I don't think it's just me but there's a lot of free floating anxiety going on in society today. There's a lot of things that comes and produces fear and I would never be the kind of preacher that 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 says to you don't fear. <laughs> you know there are some things we'd be afraid to but Here's what I do know. If we don't handle fear appropriately, fear can turn into anxiety and anxiety can kind of creep into our lives and anxiety can produce a lot of unnecessary things like depression and an inability to see Jesus where we're at. And it's the presence of the Lord. the presence of the Lord. About a year and a half ago, I experienced something i never experienced in my life. I experienced a stroke. I had a stroke of the medulla. Some plaque broke off, went to the base of my brain, and the right side of my body just quit working. I'm thankful that I had a full recovery, and I'm thankful that there were no long-term uh, ramifications, either with speech or occupational or my mobility, but it's kind of a scary time came out of the blue. And I'm a person that one half of my job is involved traveling and speaking. And I'll never forget, I went through all of the therapy. I went through seven weeks of of therapy, physical therapy, occupational therapy, speech therapy. And and I was cleared to kind of come back to work. My first traveling assignment was in southern Idaho. It was going to be a district council It was an ordination service. That's always a high point in the life of a district council where ministers, where where their peers are recognizing the call of God in their life and hands are laid on it. Also, I was to chair the business meeting where a new district superintendent would be elected. And it was my first time out, and I'll never forget, I got in the truck and I was driving to the airport and all of a sudden I started thinking to myself, oh man, what if I have a relapse? Oh man, what if I'm speaking and I I lose my train of thought? Oh man, what if I lose my balance? And have you ever noticed that sometimes we think to ourselves too much that we forget about the promises of God? (laughs) So I'm driving to the airport and I I start thinking to myself and I get this wave of panic that hits me. Oh, what am I going to do? What happens? What happens? What happens? What happens? And while I'm having these thoughts on the radio, there's this song being sung that says... I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah. Satan has no hold on me. I'm going to sing in the middle of my storm. For whatever reason, if I'd heard it before, I was hearing it kind of for a fresh and a new, and I just started listening to that. So I turned it up, and I started humming to it. And then it got to these lines, sing a little louder. And I thought, Okay, sing a little louder, sing a little louder, sing a little louder. And for about 30 seconds, I was worshiping with this song on the radio. And every time it said to sing a little louder, I did. And I got to a point, I was at a stoplight. I was, I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. And I saw people kind of looking at me, and I just sort of weighed and... And it was amazing what happened in that time of worship that brought the presence of the Lord into my situation. Reality of my situation was real. (laughs) Had a stroke, first ministry time out. I probably had a lot of things to fear. But I refused to let free-floating anxiety attach itself to me. And you know what? I wasn't able to do that just on willpower (laughs) or self-discipline it took being aware of the presence of the Lord. It just took me recognizing that right there in my truck was the right there, right now presence of Jesus that was giving me a strength to stop thinking to myself too much and being open to the fact that I'm a child of God I'm the sheep of his pasture. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. His righteous right hand can sustain me. All of these thoughts took over my self-thinking. And it gave me a sense of perspective that kept me from tripping up. It's the presence of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord. I don't know what some of you may be going through with family issues, work issues, personal-type issues, but what's given this church effectiveness is Scripture, Holy Spirit, lost people matter to God here and around the world next generation. But every Sunday after every Sunday after every Sunday after every Sunday, what gives this church great effectiveness is helping people become aware of the presence of Jesus. And I don't know who this is for. This is uncharacteristic for me to sort of deviate this much from my notes, but I just really felt that I was to remind you that God's presence isn't just out there. It's right here, right now, right next to you. And if you need a perspective adjustment today, if you just need a perspective alignment today, I want you to I want you to conscientiously say Holy Spirit, make me aware of the presence of Jesus. Can we bow our heads together? Father, I thank you today that uh, not all sundries are created equal. Not all Sundays are the same, God. And today, as we celebrate 37 years of ministry effectiveness, as as stories will be shared about earlier days and young people that have gone out from here to do great things for you, as, as, as a lot of reminiscing will take place, I don't want to miss the moment right now for your spirit to accomplish your purposes in our life. So, Jesus, whoever this is for, whoever this audible and this sort of change is for, I pray you would give them the courage to respond to you, to lean in to your presence and be encouraged that you are as close as the mention of your name, that you're my rock, my fortress. Your name is a strong tower where righteous people can run and are safe. In Jesus' name. Would you stand together with me and uh, Pastor Mike has given me some maybe liberties? Um, sometimes we have a confessional theology. We know the right words to say. We know the right doctrine to quote, But then there's a practical theology. We know the omnipresence of God, but sometimes we have to remind ourselves He's a right here, present God. We've got the confessional theology, God is omnipotent. Sometimes we have to remind ourselves He's strong enough to carry our family situation. And I just feel incredibly moved by the Spirit that today some of you need to be romanced by the presence of Jesus. You need to be encouraged by the presence of Jesus. You just need to stand in His presence and let Him help you sing a little louder. (laughs) Understand a little more clearly. Be reminded more confidently that God is your refuge and that He's your strength. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray a simple prayer. When I'm done, I'm just going to ask the worship team if they have a song of worship that they can sing. And for a few moments before we go grab some hamburgers and have some of those softies, um, let's take advantage of the presence of the Lord being in here. I don't know who this is for. You you may be a seasoned Christian and you're facing a decision that's really wigging you out. You may be a brand new Christian. You're trying to put it all together because your family doesn't understand sort of your newfound faith and anxiety. I don't know, but I here's what I know. If some of the present circumstances of your life are creating anxiety, then I believe this altar appeal is for you. I want you to come and cast your cares on the Lord and let him help you understand that Jesus is right here, right now, right now. I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. When I say amen, they're gonna sing. If this message is for you and you want to come and for a few moments stand in the presence of the Lord and be prayed for, I would take advantage of that. I would take advantage because not all Sundays are created equal and who knows, but God created these next few moments just for you and just for your family. Don't let this moment pass you by. Don't let spiritual pride keep you from responding. God may give you the kind of perspective adjustment you need for what you're journeying through so Lord whoever this is for and whatever circumstances are surrounding that I pray today that you would be the glory and the lifter of our heads and that we would have an incredible awareness of your presence with us in Jesus name I pray amen Well you begin to sing if this is for you I want you to come. Forward. health-related, interpersonal relationship-related, and they're real. They're heavy, they're real, they're complicated. Sometimes we just say, God, I want an answer. (laughs) I just need an answer. Um, You know what? God may not give you an answer for several reasons, and one of the primary reasons, you may not be able to handle the answer He gives you. But just because God doesn't give you an answer doesn't mean he doesn't give you himself and I'd much rather take Jesus himself than an answer to what we're going through or an answer to why my kids are doing this or all that there's a powerful verse in 2nd Timothy chapter 4 Paul is writing and he says "At my defense no one came to my support everybody deserted me and I don't want it to be held against them then he says here in verse 17 but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. The Lord stood at my side. He says, everybody else deserted me. I don't understand it, and I don't want it to be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. And my prayer is that you'll, you may not understand why you're going through it. You may not understand what you're going through. And the waiting process is, is energy-draining. But I promise you, the Lord will stand at your side and the Lord will give you your strength because He's a good God, the giver of every good and every perfect gift comes from Him. And He's our rock and our refuge and our fortress, and who we can trust. So, this time through, and I'm not trying to manipulate anything, but this time through, as we sing this chorus, if you're comfortable, I want you to lift your hearts, I want you to lift your hands, and I want you to begin to say by faith, yes, I will see the goodness of our God. Lead us in this course again, would you? upon them. I pray that you'd raise the level of their awareness of your presence. You're right here, right now, right next to us, presence, oh God. Thank you today, Lord, that we can draw strength from that. Thank you today that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and will allow all of the God thoughts and God talk be louder than our thoughts and our talk because that's who you are. We're the sheep of your pasture. We're the people of your hand Lord, I'm going to be this bold in my prayer that this week, this week, my friends will see your hand at work. This week, there will be some resolution. This week, there will be some healing. This week, there will be some answers. This week, there will be a newfound faith to journey through what they're journeying through. And so I claim that and I praise you for that. Oh, God, thank you. Thank you for this church, for its year. Thank you for it just not being a healthy local church, but a church that's having a global impact and its commitment to missions around the world. I pray, oh, God, that your good hand of blessing, your good favor, and your good, your, your spiritual momentum would continue to remain and praise assembly. We thank you and we praise you for it. In
4: Jesus' name we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.